Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And he swings, hits it high, and deep, and gone! Still going back! Yeah! Out of here! Welcome to the big leagues! Deep to center field, and it is gone! Wow, his first big league swing is going to be Welcome back to the call up. I'm Aram Waiten. He's Jack McMullen, and we're going to continue this little series here, two part series, where we're talking about the biggest storylines for each team now in the National League as we go through and get into spring training, get through camp and everything. Prospect storylines, of course, because this is your prospect podcast. And the American League was really fun. We kept it under an hour, which is impressive for us, but also felt like we covered everything we needed to cover. Kind of get you primed up and and ready to go for not only your favorite team, maybe the other teams in the division, things to look out for uh, if you're preying on their downfall. Or, you know, I, another thing that I've realized, too, is a lot of people play, or not a lot, but at least a good amount of people play in fantasy leagues that are like just national league, just American yeah. league. So this yeah. gives you some other things to watch there too. But also if you're just a baseball fan, it's always fun to know what's going on across the 30 ball clubs. A hundred percent. I think it was what, 53 minutes. We went on the American league side. Yeah, so I'm not going to like, W I'm not going to push us and be like, Oh, well we got to go faster because then we're thinking about going fast and that may take away from the content. But I do think that we can go two for two on these of uh, keeping it under an hour. This is like a, a fun little week because yeah, we have concrete baseball to talk about. We want to get these in before spring training games do start on Thursday. And then at the end of the week, you're going to hear the mock draft episode. You cooked up just baseball's mock draft 1.0. How many point O's do you think we're going to get? Is there such thing as a 1.5 or is an actual? I was wondering that because I put 1.0 in the title because it was just what I've always seen. It's what people do. You're a follower. And I was thinking about it like, yeah, what's a 1.5? Like I, Travis Bazana balled out week one. So now I'm going to move him up two spots and that's it. I don't change anything 1.5. else. That's like a, a mock draft 1.2 or like a yeah. 1.3. I've always Maybe. wondered. Yeah. You can either go 1.0, 1.1, 1.2, 1.2, or what I think you're going to do is 2.0, 3.0, and I bet we end with 4.0. I bet you do four. I think probably do four. I don't want to update it too frequently. I, I think there's like checkpoints, and we're going to we're going to decide those checkpoints, and and a lot's going to change in the first few weeks. I will say one thing. I, I'm glad you mentioned college baseball real quick. We're going to talk a lot about college baseball. We also talked about we're going to talk about college baseball in a lot of the bonus episodes, which, by the way, if you're listening to this, should be ready to run now in terms of being able to subscribe to that. Thank you for all the feedback that people gave me on Instagram, Twitter. Um, and, and the fact that you are willing to to support extra episodes really means a lot. I, I felt like an asshole even asking for it. Like, Hey, if we did bonus uh, four bonus episodes a month, you know, would you be interested in, and, in, you know, paying a, a small fee? Like I felt weird even asking that. So the fact that you know, 
people gave us the feedback and said, hey, um, I'd definitely be interested in that. One, made me feel better. And two, uh, it meant a lot. So um, let me know if you have any trouble uh, subscribing to that. It should be up and there, there should be a button for that. I can I'll have a more specific walkthrough on that on the Friday episode, which would still yeah. be ahead of, uh, you know, the first bonus episode that we're putting out. So look out for that mock draft episode. And in that mock draft episode, we'll give a quick walkthrough on how to subscribe if it's difficult. I think there should be a button right there, though, because of how we set it up. Right. So my one ask is you don't do the gas station thing where it's like seven ninety nine. If it's eight bucks, it's eight bucks. Like yeah. that's the thing that really pisses me off about all these subscription services. Oh, Apple TV Plus for the f- small price of eight ninety nine a month. I'm like, no, I'm paying nine dollars a month. Tell me right. I'm paying nine dollars. So please make it a round number for me. I will do that for you. And I also always thought that was kind of ridiculous. So uh, but again, thank you so much. And And if that's something you're not interested in, No worries. Thank you for listening to the show every other day during the week anyways. And we really appreciate your support either way. But I think another aspect of what we're going to do is we're going to do mailbags throughout the season, but we will guarantee a mailbag every single month as a bonus episode and subscribers will have the opportunity to always have their their question answered Um, at, at least every other mailbag. We will be sure to do that. So Without any more delay, we'll jump right into the National League, which I think we talked about. it. I think the National League storylines are a little bit more interesting than the American League. American League are fun. National League, there's a lot of arms, I think. I think it's a lot of pitching storylines, but I think that they're more interesting. Well, we're starting with the Atlanta Braves, so it's all about the arms. Um, The Atlanta Braves are on paper either the best team in baseball or the second best team in baseball, depending on what you like. I think they might be 1A and the Dodgers might be 1B with Otani not in the rotation this year. Mm -hmm. But I think there's going to be a battle for the five spot that nobody wants to talk about. I get that Bryce Elder was an all-star last year, but his second half was really not good. And A.J. Smith-Shaver could be ready to shoulder the load as the five starter in that rotation. I think there is a spring battle that is being held like very close to the chest mm-hmm. by Atlanta's brass. The other one that jumps out to me, what does Hurston Waldrop look like? Because I'd set the odds at 50% that he is on this team at some point this year as a reliever. Yeah. You know, that's one that I think, I think is a good storyline, but I think is somewhat unchanged in camp unless he just goes crazy. Um, but with Smith Shaver, that was my storyline. And to take it a step further, I guess it's the specific thing I'm monitoring is secondary command. We know the fastball plays. We know he can fill up the zone with the fastball. His secondary command was inconsistent, especially as he got up to AAA and then the big leagues. If the secondary command's there, I think that five spot can be his. It sounds like Elder, unless, it, as you mentioned, that's kind of keeping it closer to their best. Like, it sounds like Elder will have the job. And then if he continues to have those second half struggles that we saw, then, you know, you, you've got AJ Smith Shaver just waiting in the wings. But if Smith Shaver's spot in the secondary stuff and looks like he looked at the lower levels and then in double A even last year, I mean, it's going to be hard to justify not giving him a role, especially with already having some big league time under his belt. Yeah. There, there's nothing in the bat department like Atlanta. Worst farm systems in baseball. I'm just going to ask you this rapid fire. The ones that come to your mind for me, it's the Angels, the Astros. I think the Braves are up there 
And the Diamondbacks are probably. I up think there. the D backs stink. Um, the D backs, yeah, that's a bad org. I think I think I love or the organization. Bad farm. Bad farm. I, I, I love the org. I love what Hazen's doing. I think the farm's getting a little better, but you know, I think even their stronger guys, I'm just not. I'm lower on like a Yumin Lin and uh, like uh, Ivan Melendez. Like I just don't love those guys. So right. yeah, I think the D-backs are are down there. The Braves are always not a great system because I feel like they just always draft high probability arms um, that will either be traded or, or give them something at some point. Uh, And then, but they always end up converting one or two guys into just legitimate big league pieces, kind of like the Astros. And it's like, it's hard to hate on the farm when you churn out big leagues pieces still. Yeah. I will say the angels are the worst system in baseball for me. Oh yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Angels are the worst. It's not close. It's not close. Legitimate. All right, let's, let's jump over to the Miami Marlins here. I, I'm curious what your take is because I've got one guy that I have ID'd, but before that, kind of lay the landscape for me because there have to be a couple of situations you're looking at. Yeah, I mean, primarily, primarily, it's the pitching side of things just because I think – I think you have a really unique situation here where, you know, if Max Meyer never gets hurt, yeah, he he's in that rotation for the rest of the the 2022 season and then would have probably had a spot in the 2023 season. Of course, has Tommy John surgery, comes is, is set to come back this this season and should be ready for the start of the year, already throwing, has been working on a sinker. Um, but right now you look at the rotation, it's Lizardo, Yuri Perez, Braxton Garrett, Edward Cabrera, Trevor Rogers. The word is that Trevor Rogers isn't even guaranteed a spot in the rotation, which is crazy. Uh, and Edward Cabrera, we're, we're hearing a lot of, you know, trade conversation there. Is he pirate yet? What's going on? I, I, I hope. I mean, you know, I would love to see that trade go down. But that's why Max Meyer is a big storyline for me, because I think that they're waiting to see what Max Meyer looks like. You know, does he look healthy first and foremost? And he's been working on that sinker. Does that look like it's an asset that will kind of take him to another level? We know the slider is a 70 grade pitch. Uh, We know that the fastball is fine enough. It's flat, but you know, he's just been able to get by with it. The changeup has been a decent enough third pitch that you feel like this guy can at least be a four starter uh, or a really good reliever if, if it comes to it. But if they feel like Max Meyer can start, and, and is ready to start from you know, the beginning of the season, then maybe they're even more eager and willing to trade in Edward Cabrera. So I'm most fascinated by Max Meyer and how they use him and what he does this spring, because I do think that if he shows out, he could end up carving out a role in the, in the rotation, maybe even for opening day. Okay. So Max Meyer was my guy too. There were a couple other head to heads that I was curious about. One of which is Spider-Man meme, Xavier Edwards and Vidal Bruhan. I'm very curious if Edwards can just beat out Bruhan. The other one is Troy Johnston and Trey Mancini. Yeah. I wonder if Troy has a better like spring than Trey. Troy and Trey. It's going to be a tough one. But Avi Garcia is the DH right now. Like, why is Josh Bell not going to DH and you have either Mancini or Troy Johnston play first base? I, I think that that can be a battle. I, you look, Troy Johnston, by the way, just just launched a podcast with Scott Kornberg, um, a oh, nice. AAA broadcaster for Jacksonville. Um, go check that out. I, I think they're going to do a great job. Troy's one of the the, the good dudes in, in, in professional baseball. Um, but but Troy, like he, he's got to have a fire lit under him, right? He doesn't get added to the 40 man. He doesn't get taken in the rule five. And that was largely positional. You know, you just don't take first baseman in the rule five very often. Uh, and 
and Troy, I think, feels like he has a direct path to, to, to potentially you know, carve out a big league role. And what more could he have done last year? He had a phenomenal season. So I'm very excited to see that. And also, that that's another great storyline because I think Troy is going to get a lot more outfield reps. So, you know, I think Troy is, is, is an, just in himself is a big storyline because let's be honest, this team needs all the offense it can get. And if yeah. Troy's swinging it, he's going to have a big league role one way or another, even though they didn't add him to the 40, man. Nothing is stopping power. Nothing is stopping a blend of hit and power for the Miami Marlins. And mm-hmm. they need more power. Yeah. Uh, Let me be you, clear on one thing, too. Sixto Sanchez is not a storyline. Okay. <laughs> he's he's my favorite storyline, but like that has nothing to do with the overall grand scheme of the Miami Marlins. I, I unfortunately think he gets DFA'd by the uh, end of spring training. Yeah, that would make the most sense. All right. The New York Mets... For me, like, okay, you could go Luis on Helicuna, Brett Beatty, Brett Beatty, Brett, ba- Brett Beatty. Like, show me something, Brett Beatty. It was a really rough go of it last year. I could group Mark Vientos into that thing, but this is the spring to come back and get a very critical fan base off your back. They love Francisco Alvarez. Yeah. Brett Beatty has a chance to make them love him, and yeah. I hope he does that. So the reason why I didn't go with Brett Beatty was because I think like he's shown that he can do it in AAA. He's shown that he can do it in spring training. He's got to do it after opening day and he's got to do it at City Field. Um, I, that said, you know, if, if we see a tangible adjustment and and he looks more comfortable and he's mashing, now, of course, that's going to be that's going to bode well. But with Ronnie Mauricio going down like third base is his, you know, and and no one's even really on his heels. So. Yeah, I, I am interested to see how Beatty looks, but I also think that yeah, you know, it it might not be as much of a storyline until the season starts. And I will be concerned if he does struggle, though. I will say that. So it's almost more of like a we're talking about guys that have things to gain. I feel like Beatty yeah. only has something to lose. He's got a lot to lose. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. My, my storyline, I actually was looking at the arms because I look at this rotation. <laughs> Kodai Senga, Jose Quintana, Luis Severino, Sean Manaya, Adrian Hauser. Two I think it's guys. very realistic that Quintana, Severino, and Manaya could be unusable. I think they all could be very solid, too. But it's also possible that a couple of those guys could be unusable. And look, they're, they're going to need to plug in other arms. Uh, David Peterson had hip surgery, so I don't know when he comes back and, and how that looks. And outside of that, like you don't have much more pitching depth in terms of guys that have proven anything or you know, you could say are, are for sure big league ready. But yeah, there's a new... There's a new, I think, idea of what big league ready looks like. And it doesn't have to be 100 innings in AAA. And we've talked about that. Like, yes, you've got Tyler McGill and Lucchese and whatever. But I want to see what some of these youngins do. And I want to see who can separate themselves from the pack. Because I think the Mets have an underrated you know, little clump of, of pitching prospects, but also none of them have really separated themselves from the pack. So I want to see what I have literally written is which young arm separates themselves of Mike Vassell, Dominic Hamill, uh, Christian Scott, and Blade Tidwell. Like, which of that group can separate themselves? And and I think spring training is a big opportunity to get a head start on, on being able to separate yourself. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. If you had to pick two, are they Vassell and Christian Scott? Those are kind of the two leaders in my clubhouse. Yeah, Hamill screams reliever risk to me. Tidwell is a little further off, though I like the stuff. I 
first caught him last year and uh, the, on the backfield where I'll actually be today. As people are listening to this, I'll be in Washington, not in Washington, at Washington's backfields in, in Palm Beach. Um, yep. So I'm excited to get some live looks there. I'll be tweeting out some videos and stuff like that. But watching Tidwell throw, I was like, whoa. That's good stuff. Like it, it's loud, but Scott's fastball is, is just extremely unique explodes through the top of the zone. And Vassal, I think has had the the most well-rounded arsenal, at least to, to this point and has been able to, to kind of go more consistently deep into games. So yeah, I, I would go Vassal and Scott kind of ahead of, of, of those other two, even though I think all four are bigly arms. Yeah. All right. Philly, what you got? Where is Mick Abel at in terms of, you know, how close is this guy? And, and I think he's in the boat of the stuff is so good that how he does in spring training can really, I think, alter his timeline because they're not going to waste that many bullets in the minors. And it's been command for him, right? It's, it's it, The fastball is lively. The breaking ball is gross. It's really about the command. And if he looks like he's, he's around the zone, look, they're not going to waste much time in, in the minor league. So I think he can, I don't know if he can make the team, but I think he can expedite his process with a strong spring and be that like first man up whenever they need somebody. I thought it was interesting that Abel got the invite. I'm I'm with you. Like he was kind of a non-story to me because I don't think he can break that rotation out of camp. Um, real quick, and like he's a non-story. Were you a little surprised that Simone Muziati cleared waivers? He was outrighted. I was a little surprised at that. I was surprised. And like, I understand that he's not an everyday big leaguer by any stretch, but the fact that that guy isn't even considered a fourth outfielder for by any of the 29 other teams. When we've seen some, some random dudes get claimed and, and, and DFA and claimed to DFA like six times. Um, I'm surprised Muziati is not one of those types. Yeah. For me, it's, it's a Ryan Kirkring. Like was last year a fever dream or not? And I don't think it is. That slider will play forever and ever as long as he's got his health with him. He's got his health with him. Like Alvarado is the closer, but they relied on Kimbrell for a lot of ninth innings. And Sir Anthony Dominguez has had some blips on the radar. Mm -hmm. I wonder if Kirkring can leave spring training as the eighth inning guy. And I think there's a non-zero chance that that he proves that over the course of the next month. I I don't disagree. I think that's a good one. I honestly just. I, I didn't even put him in there because I think he's a dude already, but are you an eighth inning slash, you know, secondary closer dude? I think, you know, that's something that he can maybe prove in, in spring training. Yeah. Cause he's for sure a seventh inning guy by now. Yeah. It's just, Hey, are you going to become top flight? It was, yeah. I think Brash took that step last year too. 2022. It was clear that he was a good reliever, a good seventh inning guy, but he turned into an eighth inning. Hey, he could probably get a save guy last year. And Absolutely. I think that's the progression Kirkring could make. Washington has a billion storylines that I'm taking a gander at, to be honest, their list of non-roster invitees was amazing. Like uh, amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, Dylan Cruz, James Wood, Robert Hassel all got the invite. I will say I'm fascinated by the pitching. There are rotation spots to be won here. I don't think either gets it out of camp, but keep an eye on DJ hers and mm-hmm. Mitchell. Parker. I think those guys can make big league starts if the Nats are bad, but a couple other funny ones. I'm curious if Nassim Nunez can hit big league pitching. Yeah. Very. Yeah. And this is Juan Yepes's last breath. If he can't make the Nats right now, I got to sell all my Juan Yepes stock. Yeah, I think those are two very key storylines because those are guys, especially Yepes, like good spring. Like he's truly auditioning, right? Like he's truly auditioning for a role. Um, 
what I'm looking at too is is Cade Cavalli. He's healthy. He's throwing again. Um, I think he's throwing like 20 pitch bullpens twice a week now and and ramping up. How does Cavalli look this spring? How much do they have him throw in a game setting? And how quickly can you know, is another guy that I think once he looks like he's ready to go, um, you know, and get some rehab starts under his belt, I'd imagine they probably bring him up to the big leagues relatively quickly. So I'm just eager to see what Cavalli looks like off of the TJ because we know how insane this stuff is. Yeah, absolutely nuts. All right, jumping to the National League Central. Let's start with the Chicago Cubs here. Where do your eyes go with the Cubs? They could go to Michael Bush, but he's got a job. He's got a job. I'm, you know, you know, I'm biased, but you know, I, I am interested in Matt Mervis, the underdog again. He's mm-hmm. thrived in that role. He he loves being doubted, um, and he loves proving people wrong. And I think he he was so good. Yeah, you know, by the time he got to the big leagues, that I think the, the adversity was was unique and and it was a uh, you know a challenge. And, and when you're not a first round pick and a four million dollar guy or whatever it may be, you know, and you struggle. You know, it's, it's a little bit of confirmation bias. Ah, you know, I knew that that performance was a fever dream. Send him back to trips. They send him back to trips. He plays great. Um, he's obviously going to get plenty of reps in camp because, you know, God forbid Michael Bush goes down or or somebody else goes down. I mean, Mervis is probably the first man up to, to, to come up and and plug in. You know, he's, he still has an important role on the team, even if he's in Iowa. You know, he's he's man 27 or 28 on on this Cubs roster. But that's what I'm looking at because, you know, I don't think he can make the team out of, out of, out of spring training. I think it's going to be hard after the acquisition of Bush, but he can make an impression of, hey, some of the things that we were concerned about with Mervis in his big league debut, he worked on that. He looks better. And, you know, it, when when it's time for him to come back up, we feel a lot more confident. We're going to keep him here a little bit longer because things look different than they looked in in his big league struggles. Um, the, the other aspect I'm looking at is, I don't think Pete Crow Armstrong is necessarily going to going to make the team out of camp. I think he can because you have Canario with a roster spot. Presumably you have Mastroboni with a roster spot. Like if PCA shows that he's not whiffing and, and the hit tools come along, the approaches come along. You know, I think PCA is a guy that could end up, you know, carving out a role. Okay. So I actually went a similar way to Mervis, not PCA. Cause I think Mervis or I think PCA pardon is actually like, already booked to Des Moines. I think that guy has some offensive things that he's got to work on and very limited sample at the major league level. But I, I don't think anybody in Chicago is going to tell me, yeah, we think this guy's big league ready with the bat. Mm-hmm. If Christopher Morrell plays third base, the DH spot is open. And I see Mervis as somebody that could be that DH. <sighs> Owen Casey, man, <laughs> he got the non-roster invite. He performed really well in the World Baseball Classic. I get that he spent the entirety of 22 at high A, the entirety of 23 at double. But man, He's young for like, both levels, by the way. Young for both levels. But man, like if he hits some of those mammoth homers and looks like he's holding his own in spring training, how much can he shorten that stint in Iowa? I think he can shorten it by a lot. And yeah. I think if they're starved offensively for a couple weeks – all-star break they could say you know what screw it we're going to add a guy that can hit 40 homers over a full season i don't disagree and then i'd say one other name um is you know i think the ship's kind of sailed on caleb killian but hayden mm-hmm. was 
can he kind of get back to to the Wisniewski with the heavy sink and the slider working off of that? Like the fastball flattened out. The release was kind of off. Um, and then I felt like he was fighting himself. Um, can Wisniewski get back to that, you know, Yankees and then recent traded, you know, Wesneski that we saw? I mean, that would be huge for them as a swing man. Well, 100%, maybe even as a five starter too, because he offers a different type of flavor to that rotation. Kyle Hendricks and Jordan Wicks are in the same rotation right now. <laughs> They're... Kyle Hendricks is is better and he's got way more of a track record guys an ERA title about a decade ago under his belt. But I mean, you're talking about two guys that are pitched to contact folks yeah. like it would be nice to have some swing and miss there was at his best can provide some swing and miss. Mm-hmm. Also curious about Assad, but Assad is far beyond any prospect or rookie status. Um, Cincinnati now. I, I I'm interested in Nelly. I for sure interested in Nelly De La Cruz. For me, I want to see Chase Petty and Julian Aguiar see hitters because I don't know, we, we've talked about this rotation being, you know, six deep, seven deep, and we're not even accounting for Petty and Aguiar. But, you know, who's to say that Lodolo is fully healthy? Who's to say that Lodolo hits the ground running? Who's to say that Ashcraft can keep it up? Who's to say that, hell, Abbott can keep it up? I think yeah. the sure things in that rotation, I, I mean, dude, who's to say Frankie Montas is healthy? I think the sure I, thing in that rotation is, yeah, the, the sure thing is Hunter Green. After that, you got a lot of question marks. Connor Phillips, is he a reliever? Is he a starter? That's if my Petty and Ag, Yeah, if if Petty and Aggie are like hold their own, I think they can they can make their case. I think Nick Martinez is like weirdly a sure thing because at least like you just you just know what you're getting. Like he's not going to be so bad that you got to punt him out of the rotation. Like this was they were rolling out whoever the hell, uh, you know, when they could at at points last year. Like Martinez is going to be solid. Um, But I'm with you like Abbott. It was I like him. We like him. But, you know, it was a roller coaster at points last year. Um, Ashcraft, same story. Uh, So and then, yeah, like we don't even know if Montes can throw. So. That's what for that exact reason is why I was looking at Connor Phillips, because Phillips's stuff, we talked about it when we went into the red system and he's a top 100 prospect just because the fastball is is so good. It's Same. borderline yeah. double plus. Then he's got the disgusting slider that he manipulates off of it, like in terms of it can be harder or with more break. And those two pitches alone, like the, he could be a two pitch guy as a starter and 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 thrive with those two. But he's. He's got to have better command. And he, he does have other pitches he can mix in. Like, he's got a curveball that is enough of a different look. I I think that's the storyline for me because, yes, we already know what Phillips can do. But if I see uh, – like, we, we we talked about the mechanics. And there's some tangible things. Like, if he cleans it up, some of the effort and the delivery kind of pulled off. There was a little bit of, of jerkiness to it. Yeah. If he comes out and looks smoothed over a little bit and he's filling up the zone – like that's one of those guys that that's a big F, but if that happens, you and I are stamping and breakout pitcher, right? Like immediately it's going to be like, Oh, he's filling up the zone now. Yeah. It's over. He's, he's breakout. One of our breakout guys. So that's what I'm watching. I think Noel V Marte is, is hardly a storyline at this point because it's his job at third. He played really well in his big league debut. He's graduated from prospect status for us, but I do want to see how Marte performs um, because he hasn't, solidly won it compared to some of the other guys. But I think, you know, he's pretty comfortable with that third base role already. Yeah. A hundred percent. All right. Uh, Milwaukee, you're going to say it with me. Sal Freelich, Sal Freelich the infielder. <laughs> yeah. Sal Freelich, third baseman. I know 
It might have been his freshman year at Boston College. I'll, I'll look it up right no, now. I, I, if I, I, I'm pretty sure that he's played five games at second base in the Futures League for um, North Shore. North Shore. Yeah. Five games. Was it five games? Five games in 2020. Um, but in 2018, I think this is before his freshman year at BC, before his freshman year at BC. In the Futures League, by the way, where he had an OPS over a thousand, um, he played five games at second and four games at third. So he he does have experience. Oh yeah, over at second third base. If Sal Freelick is the Brewers' third baseman, you are missing such a pristine opportunity to have one of the better defensive right fielders in baseball, and you are zapping power from a position that should ooze power. What are we doing if you have Adamus and Joey Ortiz and Bryce to rank? Put one of them at third base. Let's not do this. So did they say third or third and second? I think it was third and second, but the video that we got was predominantly third base. Okay. Third base makes no sense because, okay, yes. In right field, that's a premium offensive position. But how do you minimize the the i guess the i guess hedge some of the limitations offensively because of course you're not going to get the ops most likely that you want to get from a right fielder but you're going to get a higher batting average you're going to get stolen bases you hedge that with elite defense why is steven kwan a palatable left fielder because he plays elite defense you're going to now take him from a offensive like driven position Put him in another offensive driven position where his defense isn't going to be as good. That makes zero sense to me. Second base makes a lot of sense because like if they're starting to be worried about Terang, really does that basically everything Terang does offensively, but better at this stage. Yeah. Um, and and I'm more confident in him. And and second base, I think just just it's it fits the profile offensively more than third and right field. That would make sense. Maybe they figure if you learn third, you can play second for the most part, but it's, it's totally different footwork and situation there. I'm fascinated by it. I love the idea of him being able to play second. You know, we talked about Samad Taylor, the second base outfielder, Whit Merrifield, the second base yeah. outfielder. Like that Rookie makes bat. sense. Yeah. That makes sense. I I don't know about the third base outfielder of that is South. Real. The third base slash right fielder. Like that's what that's what you're doing with Addison Barger. A guy that swings out of his Yeah. <laughs> swings out of his it's making me cough. <laughs> swings out of his shoes, like to, to just do damage. I don't want a third base right fielder that is a contact hitter. Like it blows my mind. But that said, I am so fascinated. This is probably one of my favorite storylines. I am so fascinated to see what this looks like. And also, what does this mean for Tyler Black? Like, if I'm Tyler Black, I'm punching air. Like, what, I, I, what, what are we doing here? Yeah, <laughs> they're literally saying Tyler Black. Like, we don't know if you can contribute. Which is why I'm also really fascinated by Tyler Black. If Tyler Black balls out this spring. Maybe they put that little experiment on ice. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
I hope they put that experiment on ice and I hope it doesn't even have to do with Tyler Black balling out. I hope they view Sal Freelick as an elite defensive right fielder and they don't waste that elite value defensively with with a guy trying to learn third base at the major league level. Do you know how hard it would be for him to even replicate what he produced offensively last year if he's trying to learn third base in the major leagues? No, it's ridiculous. It's, it's impossible. It's crazy. He's a great athlete and he can do a lot of things, but man, I, it's a tall task. Other thing real quick, DL Hall, the starter again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a subscriber to the changes that he's made. What does it look like now in the rotation again? Yeah. Um, I'm also, I don't know, like it's it's a glimpse at Chorio. They yeah, just paid a mil. We talked about Colt Keith not not being a big story on Monday, but man, like there's a big difference between 28 million and 80 million. And, <laughs> and, and there's a big difference between second base and, and center field too. I think um, yeah. we're talking about two teams hoping to, to grab a wild card spot. You need your center fielder a little bit more than your second baseman. Yes, you do. All right. Uh, Pittsburgh. There is a log jam of pitchers yet. It's a log jam in triple It's like, okay, who's going to be good enough to go pitch at the major league level. You have Mitch Keller set as the opening day guy. They're paying Martin Perez and Marco Gonzalez a lot of money, so they're going to pitch. The question now becomes, choose two of Bailey Falter, who's out of options, Rowanzi Contreras, who's out of options, and then these guys with options that are all in big league camp. Luis Ortiz, Quinn Priester, Paul Skeens, Jared Jones. If I'm picking two of those guys... If Luis Ortiz has the velo back and his sinker is a bowling ball again, I want Luis Ortiz in that rotation. I think that guy's a, a beast. Yep. I, I mean, and we he, saw we saw him through stints just look fantastic. Ridiculous. Uh, top 100 guy for us. Uh, I'm Yeah, it's kind of a wider net here, right? Like, I want, I'm interested to see what Luis Ortiz looks like. I'm very interested to see um, how Jerry Jones responds. Do you think Jerry Jones can win a job out of camp here? Yeah, that was my second guy. I think Jared Jones should be the five starter for the Pittsburgh Pirates on opening day. Yeah, this guy. I I know know, he he didn't dominate. Yeah, I was saying I know he didn't dominate, but like you were there. Like, do you really need him to waste any more bullets in in AAA? Like, I think a lot of the things, like the last little step he needs to take, I feel like could be had at the big league level. I'll do my best Jared Jones impression here. Like he fucking competes, dude. Like he, he buckles up and tries to kill you. And I think that is something that won't sink him at the major league level. He's going to figure out a way to get outs. And, and the last month of the season, he figured out a way to get outs in a different way. And he did it by pounding the strike zone. He was getting frustrated with the ABS clearly. Mm -hmm. And dude, he was like, you know what? I'm just going to beat you in the zone. And like, you're going to hit balls on the ground and you're going to hit soft fly balls. Yep. And I've mentioned that two start stretch that he had. I think it was the second to last and third to last starts of the year, but mm-hmm. 13 innings, five hits, no runs, one walk in that stretch. Yep. And yeah, it was under a K per nine, but I don't care. Like he was pounding the zone. He was doing it with two pitches, three pitches. If he's a, if he shows, an above average changeup or curveball, that guy's a big league starter out of camp. Final five starts of the season, two five one ERA, twenty eight and two thirds innings, thirty one punch outs. Like, you know, how many you know, walks? Not many. 
He had 10 walks in that, in that, in those five starts. But, you know, I'm just looking at what he's doing, you know, how he finished the year. You mentioned how he competes. Like, yeah, there might be some ups and downs, but that's just another guy. I just don't see the point of wasting any more bullets and triple. And I, I think that he gives you a better chance to win, honestly, than, than Bailey Falter or Luis Ortiz if he's struggling. If, if, if the VLO isn't back and he just doesn't look right, like, it's just another guy that I think could be, you know, worth worth a look. The other thing I wanted to to see is, you know, everyday catching reps for Henry Davis. You know, how how's the the defensive ability coming along? They're not there. Charrington yeah. said, "Yes, Mighty Grandal is the primary catcher," which is and crazy to me. So, like, are they going to be working him still a ton in spring training behind the dish, or is that, is that ship kind of sailed? Like, I'm I'm interested to see the usage and and maybe that tips their hand a little bit of, of what their plans are long term. Right. So my personal thought on that is, you know, and apparently there's a chance that he starts the year in AAA and gets catching reps. I don't think that's fair to Henry Davis. I I think the way you have to look at it is this is the one year for Henry Davis to prove that he can catch at the major league level with Andy Rodriguez out for the year. Yeah. If he's not catching this year and you signed a guy who has legitimately been terrible for the yeah. last two years. And yes, Monty Grandal to be the primary catcher. You got to give up on the catching thing. Make him your everyday right fielder. It's it's wild too, because he's pretty bad in right. <laughs> you know, like, and that's where, like, you saw it, right? Like, But he can get better. He's a freak athlete. Yeah. And I think that, so then play him in right every day. Play him yeah, in right so every day. Don't split the time and and you know, it's not it was I think it was affecting the bat too like uh, let's be honest the, the big league debut was not good it, no. and I think it was because he was being asked to do way too much too many different things um let this guy just learn at the end of the day the bat is going to carry whether he's catching or playing right and obviously playing right puts more pressure on the bat but it's always going to be about the bat for Henry Davis so let the bat develop stop throwing him around like a rag doll and that's something I kind of want to see is like you just commit to, to one position for him yeah, and I hope they commit, and I hope that happens in the spring. Let's jump to St. Louis. Um, Mason Wynn did not perform all too well in his first big league opportunity, and Mason Wynn graduated by our standards. I am curious about Mason Wynn. He is the everyday shortstop. The other guy is Ali Marmol. I'm curious <laughs> about the creativity he uses to get Ivan Herrera in the lineup. Please. Did you see what he did? He went nuts in the Caribbean series too. Yeah. Panama. Like that, that's my storyline is, is Yvonne Herrera. Can you just make it as uncomfortable for Ali Marmol and, and, and the, the Cardinals brass as possible? I mean, he, he did what he did in the Caribbean series. He did what he did in triple a last year. He did what he did in his big league stint. Go off the spring and make it difficult. Make them have to figure something out. That's what I'm looking forward to. I think when look like, the job says the backup plan will be, you know, probably sliding Edmund to short if Wynn continues to struggle. But I think Wynn would have to have an atrocious spring and then a bad start to the season to really lose that opportunity. And I don't yeah. think he will. No, I don't think he will either. Herrera was the overwhelming takeaway. All right. Oh, I got one more real quick, though. Okay. Gordon Graceffo. We've seen the velocity kind of go jump. Also, Friend of the program, great conversation. I enjoyed talking to him about gaining that velocity. We've seen the velocity jump, and we've seen it kind of taper off after a shoulder issue, just a little flare up, and then go back up again. I know he's been working his butt off this offseason um, and, and working on a changeup as well, too. 
if Graceffo is back to to where he was at you know in 2022, that's a guy that could end up plugging into the rotation and 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 be a good piece for them. Yeah. All right. Um, what time do you think we're at right now? How deep into this? We're about to hit the NL West. I think about 35 minutes. 38 minutes. We're nice. making time right now. All right. Great. Arizona to start the NL West. Ryan Nelson, Tommy Henry, are either of you a major league starting pitcher? <laughs> Tell me. I wish Dre Jamison was healthy. Dre is yeah. likely to miss the entirety of this year. I think Dre Jamison would have been a legit five starter for Arizona. Mm-hmm. I do mm-hmm. think they have a starting pitcher in Dre Jamison moving forward. Having said that, you got to buy time to get to him. I think Ryan Nelson is a lot better than what he showed last year. I think Ryan Nelson can be a five. I think that's a good one. I, I do think Nelson is better than what he showed. Um, I I look at Lawler because now, you know, they've come out and said, hey, you know, Geraldo Perdomo is going to start the year at shortstop. OK, understandable. Makes sense. Perdomo played, you know, kicked it back into gear in the postseason. Um, you know, a great defender, switch hitter. I know had the best month ever in the first half of the or in the first part, portion of the season. And 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 Lawler struggled. He looked overmatched through stretches. But can Lawler kind of regain some ground again is kind of what I'm looking at. Can he put the pressure back on to Perdomo in the D-backs? And I think playing in the spring with kind of nothing to lose, like he knows he's probably getting assigned to Reno, right? Like so like go out there, play with nothing to lose and and see if he can maybe expedite his his promotion back up to the big leagues if if it is you know indeed going to be Perdomo's everyday job. I know that's not the most exciting or riveting storyline, but that's kind of what I'm looking at. You know, I, I want to see Waller prove that that he learned something from the big league struggles and that you know he's he's ready to go uh, and, and doesn't want to spend much time in Reno. And I think the way he performs in camp will be you know very very indicative of 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 what direction he's heading into. And but I do think that Ryan Nelson's a huge X factor for this ball club because you got the top four locked in, right? Gallon, Kelly, Rodriguez, Fott. That that's locked in. With Jameson out, as you mentioned, you know, you mentioned like Tommy Henry. I don't have much confidence. Mena is just not ready yet, even though he was at AAA at the end of the year. Jarvis is like an emergency starter. The only guy that really has a, I think, a legitimate chance of being a five starter is Nelson, and they need him to be a five starter. Badly. Badly, badly. Colorado, a lot of the storylines are set. They yep. did have interesting non-roster invitees. Like, Yankeel Hernandez is on the 40-man. He'll be there. Adeo Amador is on the 40-man. He'll be there. Drew Romo was a non-roster invitee. I'm curious to see Drew Romo. I'm going to go really boring right now. And a guy that has had cups of coffee the last two years, this is my last year to decide if Michael Tolia is good or not. Yeah. <laughs> This is my last year. Yeah, He's big. He passes the eye test better than pretty much anybody in Major League Baseball. And it just has not clicked for him at the big league level. Having said that, he killed in Albuquerque last year. And he killed in the Mexican Winter League this year. Yeah, but the Rockies made all their players go to the Winter Leagues. I love it. Every love it. Um, yeah, he was horrible last year. And I, I want to see Tolia be, be be good. Like, But yeah, he had a 21 WRC plus in 152 plate appearances at the big league mm-hmm. level last year. He's going to need to hit. Um, and that's definitely something that uh, I'm I'm interested in monitoring. The other thing I'm interested in monitoring is how are we using Hunter Goodman? How do, Where does he fit in here? Is he going to get an opportunity to, I mean, we know he's not going to catch much at all, but is he going to catch maybe once or twice a week? Probably not. And went out and got Jacob Stallings. Okay. 
Does he play some outfield? Like, I, I'm just really interested to see how they use Hunter Goodman. And another guy that struggled, can he show that he he can minimize the whiff a bit more uh, at the big league level, uh, even if it's just spring training? Another one for you. Is the Nolan Jones thing real? Yeah, I guess camp, it'd be hard to to tell. I don't think you another. can. I think that's a 50, it's a 50 game thing. Yeah. But like, yeah, that's not a camp question. You're right. I'm just, I'm, I'm interested so in that. I'm like, is Nolan Jones that in Colorado? I think, he is. I think he is. Did you think he could be before he did it? That's my thing. It's like, it happened. And I was sitting here in January and I was like, oh shit. I, Nolan Jones was actually that. I didn't think it would be like that. I, I figured out oh, perfect candidate for a guy that's just going to see his numbers jump. Um, you know, at altitude, but I didn't think he'd be like a passable defender in the outfield and, and like and and also hit 297, like yeah. no chance. No um, so that part is really exciting. And and I do think it's for real. But, it, you know, I think with a strong spring, he can really solidify himself as, you know, one of the core guys here that ain't going anywhere anytime soon because they don't really have any. You look at you look at in the lineup like Chris Bryant technically can't go anywhere. Ryan McMahon, you know, is, is locked up. But then. You know, Blackman's kind of on his way out. You know, it's just going to be until yeah. he wants to retire. Tovar is is a core piece as well. The but guy. then Rogers, Bouchard, Diaz, Doyle, like none of those guys are, are, are key pieces. Yeah. Let's see if anybody can fight to try and I win wish, his job midway through. I agree. I wish we had a pitching storyline out here because we, we we need one, but there ain't. Carson Palmquist got the non-roster invite. That might be cool. Um mm-hmm. I don't know what Jeff Criswell's stuff looked like last year, but his numbers were really bad in Albuquerque. It is yeah. Albuquerque. And I thought Criswell was solid when he was an A's prospect. So I, I don't know. I guess that's, you know, anything that you can find. Um, Hill got a non-roster inv- in- invitation. So kind of interesting. I read something on Twitter that they're willing to fast track him as a reliever. They're ditching the starting pitching thing. Was it the nine four eight ERA? I think it was, was it like the 15 innings in his first three years? Yeah. He's so talented though. Fastball change up. Like he could just overpower guys. That's a fun storyline to be honest. If there's anything they're willing to fast track him, like I want to see him as a reliever. See, see what that looks like. Yeah. Um, Also last fall, he was 97, 99 at the fall league. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. You get him in short spurts. Like, yeah, they might, they might have something there. About it. All right. Uh, three more teams. The LA Dodgers. I don't think Yoshinobu Yamamoto fits the criteria. He can because if you're, you know, if you're drafting like a FYPD, he he does fit the criteria. Mm-hmm. I'm really curious to see Andy Pajes as a full go off injury. I think mm-hmm. that is the guy that I'm I'm highlighting, and he's in there. He's at big league camp. There's not a job for him, but. Triple A debut. It was a shoulder issue yep. that he heard in his first game in Triple A. Yeah, I think he's he was really good. A great year too. Yeah, he was. He looked like he was finally taking that like next step. Um, because he had really solid, really solid, and then it was like, oh, I think he's taking another step forward. So I, I'm definitely interested in him. I'm also interested in seeing, um, you know, what they're gonna get from Miguel Vargas. Yes, I know he's no longer a prospect, but like. I, I've always loved his bat and I still believe in the bat. He's 24. Like that's another guy I'm, I'm very interested in. Um, but my story I think here is 
mean, it's still, it, it, these pitching prospects are going to be asked to do stuff. Like they're going to be asked to pitch. And I'm looking at it as a Gavin Stone versus a Kyle Hurt for opportunity. Um, Hurt has the advantage because he can come in and relieve. And Stone, it's, you know, mostly going to be as a starter. But I think how these guys do in camp is going to be huge in deciding who they go to if somebody gets hurt. And, and it's not even like I hate saying the if or like I, I want to say if instead of when. But you look at this rotation and, you know, we know that Walker's not going to be ready to go um, at, at the beginning of the season. They want to, you know, temper it out so that he can potentially be available for the postseason. Um you know, James Paxton has often been injured. Emmett Sheehan's going to be on an innings restriction. Um, you know, Bobby Miller has battled some stuff in the past. Tyler Glass now is often injured. Um, Kershaw is going to be injured for the start of the season. Frosso is already out uh, with the torn labrum, which is awful. Um, Gonsolin's out. May out. So I really think it's going to turn into a battle between Kyle Hurt and Gavin Stone for, you know, who's the first man up when a spot in that rotation opens up. Or, you know, if they need a spot start somewhere or or a long relief spot. Yeah, Hurt kind of screams long reliever, right? And I think he almost got pigeonholed into that long relief identity. Do you think Kyle Hurt has starter in his future or do you think he is that multi-inning reliever? I think if he was in another situation, he'd absolutely be given every chance to start. I, I see him as kind of like a five and dive type. Like, I, I think he's someone that should be stretched out more than one, one two inning. Um, yeah. But he could really thrive in a short relief role. Whereas Gavin stone, it's like, you want to see that guy more stretched out. Like you feel like he's at his best when he's stretched out. So it's, it's two different types of pitchers, but I think based on how they're performing, whoever's performing better is going to be the first man up. Yeah. All right. Two more San Diego. You go first. I'm sure we have the same one. I just have Merrill Marcy Pauly. Okay. So I'm just looking at those three guys. Who can prove that they can either grab a spot in the outfield? I know that they just signed Jerks and Profar, whatever. I'm predominantly looking at Jackson now, but I am very interested to see like Marcy's the guy that can play center. Um, and Polly's just a bat that they could easily need at some point. Um, all three guys need to to show out in spring training, but I think Merrill and Marcy have a chance to even make the team if they perform well enough. Yeah. So for Milwaukee, I wrote Sal Freelich, third baseman. For San Diego, I wrote Jackson Merrill, outfielder. Yep. And if he can play left, he's in the opening day lineup and he'll play 162 if he's healthy. He'll do the Abrams thing. And he is better positioned to hit the ground running than CJ Abrams ever was. Yep. It's funny, man. Like, I think we talked about it like a few days before about how we're ready for Merrill to, to probably get reps in the outfield. And I think he can win the job and left. And then, sure enough, Comes out and I'm getting my work into the outfield. I feel good. He's an athlete, dude. He's a hard ass worker. Like he's gotten his defensive ability at short stuff. He's gotten better and better and better by just putting the work in. I think even just the spring to put the work in in the outfield, I think Merrill is going to force their hand and, and and carve out a big league opportunity. And if that guy's sitting at the bottom of your order, like oh, that's yeah. that's fine because uh, he could end up being a, a really good piece for you by the second half as he settles in. Seven hitting left fielder Jackson Merrill, easy yeah. peasy. Last one is San Francisco. Is there a big league job for Luis Matos? Mm -hmm. That's my one question. I don't think there is. Jung Hu Lee is the center fielder. Um, Mike Yaz is in right. Who am I missing in left? Conforto is in left. Yeah, There's not a job here for Luis Matos. Can he make a job for himself? 
And they've also got Slater, who just, you know, has historically yeah. murdered left-handed pitching, which is, you know, I think what the role would kind of be for Matos if he didn't have an everyday spot. That was one of my questions, and, and I think he's going to have to really hit um, to make it a conversation, and, and I don't think that there's a spot for him at this point. And then the other was, of course, I'm excited to see Kyle Harrison, but you know, I don't, I don't think there's much of like a question there. There's a spot for him in the rotation, and it's going to be, you know, he's ready to go. Um, and it's just going to be about the command. But I want to see a tangible adjustment from Marco Luciano. I'm tired of seeing the same thing. Like I, that That's my storyline, too, is like this is your opportunity to work on stuff. He struggled in the winter league again. Um, he struggled last year. He hasn't really put together a good season in a long time. I, you, you can really argue he hasn't really put together a complete good season, which is what makes the the the, the prospect type that he's had an interesting conversation in itself. I want to see a tangible adjustment, whether it's with his setup, his pre-swing moves, his path, like approach something. Give me something, because like I think we're bordering on insanity now at this point, especially after it didn't work in the winter league. Like what you're doing right now, you're not going to hit enough this way. So I want to see something different. Like I just want to see him try something. I can appreciate that shout. All right. We did that in 52 minutes and 18 seconds. That's Again, good. really quick shout out. Forgot to mention him on the AL episode. Jordan Leisure hit 99 in his first bullpen at camp. Mm-hmm. Jordan Leisure should be the White Sox setup guy or closer this year. He came over from the Dodgers with Nick Nestrini and the Lance Lynn, Joe Kelly deal. Uh, two guys in Chicago that I think should be in the bullpen on opening day that are still prospects. Jordan Leisure, the White Sox, Luke Little of the Cubs. I think those guys need to be on those rosters. You know, Leisure didn't give up a run in his final seven appearances in the Arizona Fall League. Seven in the third innings, two hits, no runs, one walk, 12 Ks. Do you have the fastball characteristics in front of you? Uh, I can pull that up in just a second. He was sitting upper 90s in all of those outings, though. Um, So... Leisure's got closer stuff, man. Like he's got high leverage closer stuff. Um, that was that was a great great get as the secondary piece in that Lynn deal. Yeah, look at look at the look at the White Sox starting to make some some decent moves here and there. <laughs> um, are, are you are you buying into Chris Getz at this point? Are you are you um, picking up what he's putting down? So. Like the the bummer deal fascinated me. <laughs> how how he got that many fringe big leaguers for Aaron Bummer was insane. I don't know. I need to see two drafts from Chris Getz before I really latch on to what he's doing. But I'm not out by any stretch. And I don't think anybody should be out after two months of him operating. And we haven't even seen a deadline go by. Mm-hmm. I... I think he made an interesting decision holding on to cease. Yeah, I think that's where you really judge him is where do, what do you end up with when you trade cease? I think that's that's the big question. Also, that's I have the, one. the fastball characteristics. Holy shit. Crazy, um, right? This is a 70 fastball. Mm-hmm. It's not only does he get 19 inches of vert from a 5'8 release, which is, you know, like just below, you know, average, slightly lower release low VAA and he gets above average extension. He kind of checks every fastball box and, it, um, and it's 97 and 99. Yeah. That he could be a closer. That's a guy that needs to be on the team right away. Mm-hmm. Um, Gotta be yeah. on the team. I love it. All right. That's all there. 
That'll do it for this episode. Uh, again, there should be something there for, for you to be able to subscribe for the bonus episodes. If you have any issues, uh, we will walk you through it on Friday. Um, but I'm definitely excited to to get those bonus episodes going, keep you briefed on college baseball, uh, another aspect of it, and we'll give you more of a rundown on Friday too. Uh, it's going to kind of be these heat sheets, who's performing. Uh, I'm going to talk a lot about some and breaking down some of the best starts, the data of it. And we're going to do a lot of those things during the season. Basically, anything that we don't get to or things on the weekend, um, that I just am really excited to, to recap. We'll be able to do that. What I'm excited about is like when a lot of the top draft prospects pitch, you know, Friday night, we'll be able to talk about that on Saturday or Saturday talking about that on Sunday. So that part I'm really excited about. And then um, just being able to catch up on anything we missed during the week and being able to you know, tell you some of the big data stands out, standouts, you know, batted balls. Like I'm going to give you some of the most impressive things that stood out to me that week and kind of peel back the curtain on what's going on uh, with, with the call up with, prospect rankings and kind of give you a little bit more insight um, on those bonus episodes. Chase Petty hit 99 at camp. <laughs> I wonder if it's sinker or with a little bit of ride now mixing in a four seamer. I'm excited to see that. Uh, so looking forward to talking more about the mock draft later this week. And we'll give you the whole rundown on what to expect with these bonus episodes. As always, thank you for listening. Look forward to talking prospects with you on Friday. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.